What's up, family? You are tuned into Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. This is Resistance in Residence, where we profile artists using their gifts to change the world. This week's Resistance in Residence artist is filmmaker and multidisciplinary artist Shaka Jamal. Good morning, Shaka. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, good morning, Sister Cat. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be in conversation with you, brother. We like we be in the cipher, but we don't get to connect, you know, directly very often. Uh, real. We both be moving and shaking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Shaka, I want to start with a little bit about you and specifically where yes. and how you grew up. What was your family like? Oh, wow. We get deep from the beginning. Oh, yeah. We get right to it. We only got 25 minutes. <laughs> hey, so, you know, I, I was I was actually born in Texas and came to Oakland in 85, back in the day, right? So that right there was, um, it, was a, it was a big shift for me because I, I grew up in an all-Black neighborhood in, in um, Houston, like Missouri City. And then moved up to the Oakland Hills, North Oakland Hills. And it was a big difference, you know, just going from one place was an all black community and another place was mostly just like um, mostly all white folks and Asians. So being from that perspective, I was like, oh, the world is different. You know, I just came, I was in this little cocoon and then that kind of opened up my eyes to a different type of life. Uh, right. Um, my, my parents. My dad is from Flint, Michigan. My mom is from Notasoga, Alabama. And um, they both came from big families. And uh, it was just four of us. So I always grew up having lots of cousins, uncles, aunties, and um, always loved traveling back to Michigan and Alabama to to be with my fam. And um, I got an older brother. And it's just it's just the four of us, you know? When did you discover the power of storytelling? Oh, well, I think the light bulb really went off for myself. I will, it was in 2002. It was a few months or, or, or so after coming back from um, serving over two years uh, in the Peace Corps in South Africa. And I was at the Java House, the, the original one back when it was off of Grand. Right. And uh, Mama Tarita, you know, from uh, the Black Panther Party. Right. She was up in there and got up on the mic and she says, if you want to learn how to edit for free, come holler at me afterwards. And I was like, oh, she got to be talking to me because I had all this footage and photography and, you know, music from my, my time in South Africa and connected with her. Ended up um, going through a program right on, what's that, Ninth and Peralta in the Bottoms at um, the Prescott Joseph Center, um, the Dusty program, Digital Underground Storytelling for the Youth. And I learned how to edit with Adobe Premiere. And then just being able to create story from these images. I had her as my instructor, my poetry instructor and writing instructor, added music to it. And I was like, oh, I can really do something. Then from there, I ended up moving back to South Africa for a year, living in Joburg, and shot my first three, four music videos, um, starting off really my, my film career. Came back to Oakland, ended up becoming an instructor at the program, 
and things are just blossom from there. Ended up going to SF State, I think 2007, getting my master's in, uh, in cinema. And it's just been it's just been growing and building ever since. Talk a little bit about your time in Joburg. How did spending a year on the continent shape you as a black man? And, and especially then coming back to this country. Well, uh, where I first landed in 99, right? Living in a village, like deep in the village, no running water, no electricity. It was, it was real living, right? And then going to Joburg, um, like a year after that, living in the city where Joburg is like New York. They got everything New York got plus some, right? So when I first landed in the continent, I was like, oh, I didn't, I didn't kind of been lied to. And just seeing that Africa is much different than how it's perceived in the news and in the media. So although my, my parents had traveled to Africa, had pictures on the walls and everything from photographs they had taken and artwork, still like the predominant um, narrative was coming either from books from school or from the news, right? And that kind of dominated this, this um, sense that Africa is bigger and greater than what I thought. And I learned that just as much as I was African, I wasn't at the same time. Although my roots are there, I grew up learning English, right? With an English and Western culture. So I had some ways that kind of put a mirror to myself. Um, to say, oh, although I know I got African roots, the first you know 22 years of my life, I grew up right here in the U.S. in Texas and California, and that is my particular worldview. And I also found like like my worldview, everything here in Western culture is commodified. Everything has a price. Anything can be bought and sold. And there, people don't always look at things like that. And I had to kind of slow down and kind of check myself. Um, in terms of my viewpoint, but it, it definitely helped me grow as a as a human being. Helped me grow as a as an artist and being able to um, connect to people in in a different way. Shaka, I'm an actress, and I remember so clearly at eight years old the first time I walked into a theater and what happened to my whole entire being. Do you remember the moment when you first put your hand on a camera? Oh. First time I put my hand on the camera. Hey, look, I think my mama had one of the one of them old school uh, camcorders, like you know the ones you put on your shoulder, right? And that was like big technology back then. I don't even know how she got one, but she got it. And I think I used to run around with that thing on my shoulder. You know, she was scared I was going to break it. But that then I, I don't know. Maybe I was about maybe thirteen or so. And something came over me. I said, like, oh, I'm going to be a cinematographer. Right? I think I had read something on, on some credits and I might have looked it up. What's a cinematographer? I said, oh, they're able to reveal images through film and video. And it, it just hit me. And I think I forgot about it, and then it resurfaced again when I started putting more and more time and energy into, into filmmaking. 
what kinds of stories do you aim to tell, Shaka? Um, and 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 how do you hope that those stories impact the lives of our people? Oh, what I really strive to do is to tell stories that wouldn't normally be told in mainstream media about not only my people I feel I represent, um, but also other underrepresented people um, in this country and around the world. I, I what I what I realize also going to South Africa for the first time in some of the neighboring countries like Lesotho, Mozambique, Zimbabwe, Zambia. I was able to meet other black folks there, other black men there. And I realized, I said, oh, we got a whole nother type of experience that our peers don't really know about. So I wanted to, I wanted to tell the story that we were living out there, right? And tell the story that we were living once we got back and how that affected our lives and the people around us. So I, I, I realized then that the experience I was having was a unique one and it was worth um, being documented and worth being shared. Talk about music. I, that's actually new for me. I know you as a <laughs> filmmaker, uh, but you make music too, and you founded uh, Olu 8 Records. Talk about the music. Yeah, so I, I think back in the day, probably, I, I always um, wrote poetry as a kid. And maybe even from elementary school, starting on Roses of Red, Violets of Blue, right? Started more so rapping, I think, and with the with, with the homies in school, like maybe like junior high, high school, and um, started recording, maybe around um, I don't know, maybe around college or something like that, and really um, being with the artists at school. I, w- I went to Tuskegee University, and I was one of the producers for this event where we just brought out artists from all over the campus, whether they were spoken word artists. Um, musicians, uh, comedians, dancers, anything like that. And we used to, you know, put on these events. Um, but I, I really started getting deeper into the music side once I went to South Africa. And and anyone who knows South Africans, yo, they they like coming out the womb singing, right? And just being there in that culture where music is just as much of a part of life and singing as like what how we doing talking right now and getting soaked in that type of um, culture it was it was infectious and at that time um, the most popular music out was kwaito uh, music which is a mix of house music traditional african trance and hip hop all kind of mixed together you know, it's a it's a it's a it's a dope sound, and I started collaborating with some of the artists um, out there. Um, then I then started my first band called Hairdo, right? Um, with um, with our brother Dimu Majun, right? I actually met him in Africa, in Zambia, and started a band uh, after that, and that grew, and we played and created music uh, for years. Um, now I'm embarking on this record label, Oluwet Records, working with artists uh, continuing in South Africa called Roots 2000, Emic Soul, and Slick Angel. I'm going to be releasing a, a solo project myself 
and it's a mixture of like Afro soul music. Um, we got some um, Afro house remixes, but also bringing in this uh, this hip hop uh, element to it. So building and collaborating on that. And this has also been like a bridge for me. Like I'm at this point now where the, my music influence, the film in, influence, and also this yoga aspect. I was also introduced to yoga when I went to South Africa. I have a, a new film called I Am Hope. Uh, I Am Hope, Youth, Yoga, and Resilience. And I was. it has a soundtrack on it. Uh, a curriculum on how to teach yoga to students in schools or your household if you're doing homeschooling. And like all three of these elements of my life have all come together um, at, in this film. And um, it's, it's, um, it's bubbling right now. And, uh, you know, we just screened it um, a couple of weeks ago at the Bambidi Film Festival with, with uh, Word Slanger, with Dr. Nzinga. And um, it, it, it came out to a packed house. So um, that in a long since this music has um, has been there for a while, um, but it's also just been growing slowly but surely. Shaka Jamal, talk to us about your creative process, like from inspiration to creation. Oh, inspiration to creation. Well, I, w- I would say sometimes in terms of... Um, music, sometimes melodies would just come, right? Or, or rhythms. And I might just take my phone and just hum them or sing them or do the rhythm inside the phone, come back to them later and have more time and just dive deep. Um, sometimes concepts just come up and I write them down on a piece of paper on my phone and then just build, build upon them. With the filmmaking, Many times it's a vision I see in my head. Once I see it in my head, I can write it down, build a treatment, build a script, and then start pulling in a team to make all of that happen. So it it happens sporadically um, in in different ways. Um, But my goal is to always have my my ears open, my heart open, so that these, these messages can come through and be able to reveal them in a way and how they want them to be revealed, right? Because there's definitely sometimes I feel like there's a message from someone, something else coming through that says, hey, this needs to come out. And trying to, you know, honor that and reveal it in a way it has to be revealed. And there's other things where, you know, I feel like I see something and says, and I tell myself, this is something that needs to be shared to my community, to the world, and just be able to put in work day in and day out um, to be able to get it from well, beginning to the end. You talked about uh, Mama Tarika uh, being your teacher and mentoring you. In what ways do you pay that type of nurturing and mentoring forward to our young people? Oh, well, with, I'll tell you one, one, one particular way. This particular film, uh, I Am Hope, it was about a yoga program that I was running uh, at Frick Middle School in the in the East. And prior to that, I got my 200-hour yoga certification, maybe about two, hour, two, two years before I started working there. And what I realized is that 
that gift of yoga and all the other gifts that I've been given and lessons that I've been given throughout my life are not just for me. They're for me to be able to learn from, to master them, and then to be able to share to others that were in my same position early on in life, right? With maybe a limited worldview, uh, limited skills, limited opportunity, and to be able to share that so folks can um, uplift themselves and uplift ourselves as, as a community. Any, any opportunity I get to be able to share, um, I do that because I am in this position I am right now because people share with me and took the time out of their lives to say, hey, um, you ever thought about this? Or if this is what you want to do, um, here's another way of approaching it. So this is, this is one of the ways that I definitely um, choose to give back, um, if whether it's through yoga, um, uh, through film, or through the music. Shaka, we're, we're in this political time period, right, where there's backlash against the defund movement, against mm. the, the push to redefine public safety, um, against the assertion, right, that's backed by all of the data, um, that we cannot incarcerate our way to public safety. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about art as a public safety strategy? Art as a public safety strategy. Well... I think that the powers that be in the system are afraid of artists because artists are the ones who dare to be different. They dare to express themselves and express themselves in a way that many times cannot be taught or indoctrinated. I feel that, you know, just like the the new BAM house, right? Where, where you've been performing, having your plays and everything like that with this Black arts movement. Art is a tool for liberation. Art is a tool for education, for inspiration. And I feel that independent thinkers, independent thinkers that are dedicated to their community and those who understand the power of each one, teach one, um, are a threat to the system because the system wants to continue to have us confined um, to the narrative of what they have established that maintains their power and maintains our oppression. So art is essential to life itself. And that's also, you know, one of the things that I learned when I was living in South Africa is that no matter the circumstances People celebrated life through their art, through singing, um, through dance, through, through, through sculpture. And they realized that just as our heartbeats and the blood flows through our bodies, this creativity and expression was essential to life itself because art gives us a, a, a purpose and allows us to fulfill our destiny, our personal destinies, and bring our communities along with us. So without art, sometimes we are um, without a compass. And as people dedicated to uplifting ourselves and our communities, art 
art, it goes goes hand in hand with anything we want to do for, for our upliftment. Shaka, in addition to being a musician and filmmaker, um, mentor, teacher, you are also the founder of Namaste Ready. Yes. What is that? <laughs> so Namaste Ready. So if uh, you stay, if you stay ready, you ain't got to get ready, right? So Namaste Ready is the 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 yoga healing wing of the work that I do that strives to activate the healing powers of the Black community, right? Um, we know that, for example, uh, in West Oakland, I mean, Black folks have challenges with asthma, right? Just because of the highways and the trucks and all the different factories that have been there um, for decades, right? Um, we know in East Oakland, um, Black folks have the least amount of resources um, that are dedicated to, to healing and hospitals and clinics and things of that sort. So Namaste Ready was founded maybe about, maybe about eight years ago, once after I got my yoga certification. And the focus was to bring yoga and healing work to the community, right? Um, my, my work at Frick um, um, doing the yoga program was an extension of that, right? We, we were running programs at Franz Martial Arts over off Seminary in Mac uh, for a good amount of time. Uh, did work at EOYDC, uh, Roses and Concrete, as well as uh, 150th at um, Juvenile Hall. So this particular work here is, is, a, is a lifelong work. Um, that is for families, it's, it's for the community, and it's for us to really tap into this inner power that's inside of us. Um, and, you know, um, young in life, uh, you know, I was involved with some traumatic events and I almost lost my life. Um, about 17 years old, uh, I had like, multiple stab wounds, um, punctured lung, and somehow made it through, right? And uh, had some family friends and they started introducing me to like self-healing and manifestation, right? Where you start envisioning yourself as a healed person, right? Using your hands as conductors of energy. And at first I was like, what are these folks talking about, right? It was so foreign to me, right? My parents introduced me to a lot of things, but this is not like one of the things, that's not one of the things we talked about at the dinner table. Right. And I slowly started getting more into those practices. And Namaste Ready is a way for me to only not only heighten my own um, self-healing practices, but also to share everything that I've learned um, with others and to bring in other healing practitioners of other modalities like Kemetic Yoga, the Smai Tai Wei or um, Tai Chi, um, Qi Gong, uh, as a way to let folks know that Yoga and many of these healing practices are indigenous to our lineage as Black folks and as Africans. And taking the time and the right instruction, we can be able to tap into that knowledge which is in our DNA and activate self-healing that many times pills uh, and some of these medicines that's coming from the Western culture um, 
can't heal. Mm. Shaka Jamal, for folks that want to learn more about what you're you're doing, follow your work, uh, connect with you, where can they find you on the socials? Oh, you can hit me up at Shaka Jamal, S-H-A-K-A-J-A-M-A-L. Um, that's on IG. That's on Instagram. Uh, it's Instagram and Facebook, uh, let me say. And uh, yeah, hit me up. Um, send me a DM, follow, and um, you'll see everything on there from the yoga work um, to some of the music work, uh, as well as the film work. Y'all been listening to Law and Disorder. I'm your host, Kat Brooks. And this week's resistance in residence artist is filmmaker and multidisciplinary artist, Shaka Jamal. Shaka, thank you so much for the conversation today. Yo, thank you. Thank you. I wish we had more time. You started tapping into things I hadn't thought about in a long time. <laughs> right on, right on. So I'm happy to be here with you. I'm, I'm really um, um, thankful and honored to be here with you. And I, 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 I just want to let you know I completely stand behind you and the work you do uh, with the uh, Anti-Police Terror Project, um, your work with KPFA and getting the word out there because we, we need you and people like you to stand up for us at times when either we don't know how or we don't have the strength or we don't have the words to. So I want to just, you know, shout you out and, and honor you with uh, all, all the work that you do. Thank you. Thank you, Shaka. I appreciate you. You've been listening to Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. That's it for this episode, family. Law and Disorder is produced at KPFA. That's listener-supported radio on the Pacifica Network. The show is produced by Jesse Strauss and hosted by me, Kat Brooks. Our theme music was composed by Steve Raskin of Fort Knox Five. Our Resistance and Residence theme music was composed by Jesse Strauss. If you like what you heard, please follow us on social media at Law and Dis and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also find our content live at 8 a.m. weekdays on KPFA. That's 94.1 FM in the Bay Area. Our show and all KPFA's programs are funded exclusively by you, the listeners. If you're in a position to support us, please donate today at kpfa.org. Take care of yourself and take care of each other. We all we got, fam. Mm -hmm.